This is AA Beyond Belief. Never mind. <laughs> so that works really well. AA Beyond Belief, episode 141. And I'm here with my co-host, Angela B, to continue our series through the 12 steps. And in this episode, we'll be discussing the amends steps, eight and nine, where we make amends, where we make a list, I guess, of those we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And then we make direct amends. Angela, how you doing? Good. How are you, John? I'm doing fine. Just playing with some new toys here uh, that I thought might improve the podcast. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, it's all fun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so In- Entertaining, at least. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're here to talk about Steps 8 and 9. And I guess I don't even know where to begin. I guess I can understand there's a need for this. Um, it's almost like you would think that if, you know, any decent person um, upon realizing the harm that we had done through our addiction and our drinking might feel a need to go to those people that we've harmed and try to right those relationships. I do see a need. I know in my particular case, there was a lot of shame attached to the behaviors as I became aware of them. And there were people I was literally uh, afraid to look in the eye and I needed, I needed for my own peace of mind and I guess my just my own well-being to make those amends so, so I kind of did it for myself I don't know I always like to kind of start with you because you you seem to have had a really good um, grounding and you know working these steps with a sponsor I did but with this step I didn't do a whole lot of uh, prep work I guess um, I knew what I needed to do from the inventory and I just talked to my sponsor a little bit before and after um, making the amends. And I really didn't have a lot to do. Most of my amends were over a long period of time uh, by changing behaviors. Um, and I think that had to do with just where I was at in my life at the time. Yeah, for us, and in the way that I've done them is um, is much more, I guess, um, methodic, <laughs> like the rest of the steps that I've done. Uh, so with actually for step eight and nine, um, the alternative 12 steps, a secular guide to recovery book is really good. I think it's probably the best chapters in the book for me, um, because it, it really talks about about these steps and about how to take a look at, um, you know, what your part is. Like they have a whole section on how to do the homework to do this step. And that's what I usually recommend to people when I'm taking them through the steps, because it, it really helps you to, it, you know, asks some questions to help you think about, you know, why am I making, you know, this amends? You know, what is it that I think that I need to do? What exactly was the wrong that I did? And so, you know, to start out, I would just definitely recommend those those two sections of it. I think it's only like maybe five or six pages long. So it's it's not not hard to read and, and a pretty quick read, but really good and, and a useful tool for thinking about these steps. So for step eight, my sponsor asked me to make a list. So um, go back to, you know, the fourth step, like most people do. And, and not everybody on my fourth step is somebody that I would need to 
to make an amends to or that I had harmed in some way. But it, it's a good starting place to, to get you thinking about, you know, the people that, that you have harmed and stuff. And then just, you know, think about it, go through, you know, the alternative book and what their suggestions are. And then uh, she suggested that I get a, a set of index cards and um, write out what I thought would be an amends to them, what, you know, I thought the best thing would be. And then to be just looking at that until our next meeting so that, you know, I was thinking about it and, and um, not taking it lightly, you know, figuring out is this the right right thing to do or not. And one of the things I liked in this uh, book, I'll read just a little bit because I, I think it's really helpful. Um, it says, one of the reasons the entire program works so well is that it asks us to think and act. Neither one is enough alone. We need both. Um, when we start truly examining our harmful behavior, our load of guilt threatens to crush us. Guilt is relentless. It's a gift that keeps on giving and giving and giving. In a subtle way, it makes us feel better to feel guilty. Subconsciously, we tell ourselves it's a bad thing to hurt someone else, so we should hurt too. Our own suffering pays for, for that. Instead of playing the guilt game, we need to take full responsibility for what we've done, make our amends, and let the whole thing go. You know, um, and uh, in this step, we need to acknowledge that we've hurt others and are honestly willing to do something about it. We don't have to like making amends. We don't have to feel good about making them. We don't have to feel ready to do it. We just have to do it. <laughs> and so I thought that that was really interesting to me to, to read about that. And then it goes on to talk about how, you know, amends are different than just apologizing. You know, to make an amend means, yeah, to change our attitude and behaviors and keep them changed. You know, it may mean apologizing or it's, you know, making an internal commitment, um, but it's usually changing our, our attitudes and actions and that they're unconditional, you know, no strings attached and stuff to them. And so, yeah, so I, I, I think it's a really good section to read to, to help you understand. Um, some of the stuff it says, too, when you're thinking of steps eight and nine is um, not to have any expectations about the other person's response, you know. Um, whether they'll give us forgiveness or, you know, act out or, you know, usually when I'm working with somebody, we talk about, you know, what we think that how we think they might respond just so that it helps us be a little less reactionary when they do. <laughs> so if we've thought of a couple of different things, you know, that they might say or do, then when they do, you know, one of those things that we're less likely to, you know, react in a negative way to what they're saying, we kind of, you know, talk through what that might look like. So so that helps a little bit sometimes a little role-playing on, on what we think. Um, but, you know, um, writing out the list um, for me was helpful because some of the stuff that I think I wanted to do um, was not necessarily appropriate for the harm that, that was caused and stuff. And so I needed um, my sponsor's help to get perspective on what would be a good amends, you know, for the given situation, you know, who were the people that I, I really did need to go to and talk to, and who are the ones that, that were too dangerous for that, or that it would cause more harm, etc. And, um, and so I needed the perspective of somebody who'd done this before and been in recovery for longer than me to, to be able to make those decisions. Yeah, you know, these steps are a little different than the other steps because this, I think this is really the first time that we bring another person from the outside into our our step work. Basically, you know, we're we're actually involving another person, and 
you know, there's a little escape clause in there, except when to do so would injure them or others. And I think it's wise that they have that. But it's difficult for people, I think, sometimes when they're newly sober to recognize those situations when they should and shouldn't approach somebody. And I, and I think that if you do have a sponsor or a mentor or however you want to word it who has done it before and is familiar with it, it would be really helpful. You know, with me... I, I had a pretty simple life, I guess, before I I got sober and, and that I was I was still in my twenties. I had never been married. I really didn't have a lot of relationships. So most of my interactions with other human beings was either through work or my family. So the amends that I made were twofold. Um, I had some very direct amends where I absolutely had to go to someone's office and sit down and talk to them just to let them know that um, in the particular, in my particular case, I went to the person who fired me from, from, from a job for drinking. And I let him know that he was right to fire me, that I appreciate the um, opportunities he gave me to get help, that I didn't realize how um, bad of a problem I had um, but I, but I do now, and that his decision helped me uh, get the help that I need. And it was a really moving um, conversation. He um, was very happy to see me. He was happy to see that I was sober. And um, the reason I, the whole reason I did that with him is because I had gotten a job, like within a couple of blocks away from where I used to work and where his office was. And I knew that I would see him on the street, you know, and I, I needed to, I needed to talk to him because I was so ashamed of myself uh, for being fired. And, um, it was important. So yeah, after I did that, I would see him regularly, um, when I wanted to go out for lunch or whatever, and I could look him in the eye and I knew everything was okay. And so, you know, that was an amend I made. I did it for myself. You know, I guess it, it would have been awful if he would have come back to me and said, oh, you were, you were a horrible employee and all this, but he didn't do that. I never really had a bad reaction. I don't know how I would have handled it if I, if I would have had a bad reaction. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are hard. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, people are not in a place where they, they can, you know, that that's where, you know, some of the meetings that, um, that. I, I guess, enjoy or, or, you know, remind me of my humanness or when people share about making an amends that, that didn't, you know, go the way that they had hoped or, or the person was, um, was angry or it didn't change, you know, in any way for that person. And, and, uh, and that's, that's difficult to, because part of the reason that, you know, we feel guilty is that we have, have done something. Um, and then you go to try to, you know, to reconcile or do something like that. And then the person doesn't accept it. You then have to accept the situation as it is. And, you know, when you're doing these steps, generally it's in your first year of recovery and, and you're not good at accepting things yet. Um, you know, you have just given up the tool that you use to try to accept things. And, um, and so it's, it's definitely a process of um, dealing with that. I think that the, the amends where you're most likely to have, a negative reaction or that that would be more difficult are those amends where you are in a relationship with somebody, um, uh, a sexual romantic relationship probably would be more. Um, I say that not from my own experience, but from talking to people who have been contacted by someone who they did not want to be contacted by. I'll tell you one example. I'll never forget this. 
I was actually answering the phones for our central office and a woman called who was so upset because a guy that she dated and broke up with and, and, and told in uh, no uncertain terms, never contact her again, uh, contacted her for the purpose of making amends. And she was just, I mean, just hearing her voice. I mean, she was just trembling. She, she said, do you tell people to do this? And I, and I explained to her, no, we don't, you know, um, there, we, 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 do not do this at another person's expense. But obviously he was somebody who didn't really realize what he did to that other person. Cause sometimes the best amend you can make is just to leave the person alone. And I, and I think it's hard to do in relationships like that because you just, those are tricky. Yeah. I, I've had uh, relationships within my family where, you know, I had to write a letter and uh, to do an amend and then, you know, say, if you would, you know, like to talk about this, how to reach me. And, uh, you know, if you don't contact me, then, then I, I won't contact and they didn't. And so I've, I've never spoken to that person again. And, and that, and it's kind of hard because in my heart, I would really like to have a relationship with that person, but you know, that's not what uh, they would like. And so I, I have to respect that. And, um, and so, yeah, it's something that stays with me. I mean, I don't dwell on it usually, but part of my recovery that that was one of the things that, that yeah, didn't go the way in the amends process that I would have preferred. And, and so, um, yeah, one of the things that they list in the secular guide here is, um, is some suggestions to help us avoid pitfalls for doing the step. And so, one, they put, we don't have any expectations about what the other person's response will be. A, don't expect forgiveness. B, don't expect gratitude. C, don't expect acceptance. D, don't expect understanding. E, don't expect reconciliation. F, don't expect the other person to respond with amend of their own. Two, we don't make the amend as a tool of manipulation. A, don't renege on the amend if you if you don't like the outcome. B, don't make an amend to get someone off your back. C, don't make an amend to buy time. And D, don't make an amend to get someone's praise or attention. Three, we don't look for a quick, feel better fix. And four, we don't think our amend is the most important thing in the other person's life. It's easy to think we're more important to others than we are. And so those are, I think, really helpful. I hear a lot in the meetings when we're talking about this from people who haven't uh, taken all of the steps that, you know, they want to write a letter or do an amend before they get to this part. And, and oftentimes it's just they feel so guilty about something. They, they want to get it done. But, you know, in, in my mind until, you know, I've worked through some of the reasons um, for my thinking and understand that a little bit better, it's not really helpful because I don't have the ability to not act in that way yet. Yet. You know, I, I may have a slight awareness that, you know, I, I did wrong in this particular instance um, with this person, but I don't necessarily know why or how to change that behavior. And so it's fairly likely that I may do it again until I go through the steps and are, are um, more aware of myself as a whole. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, what we actually are doing here is pretty rational and um, we're kind of taking the emotion out of the, it's just like the inventory steps. You just kind of look at the facts of what you need to do, why you need to do it and just take the emotion out, take the expectations out if you can. And then you just do it, you know, and, and just take, take what comes, but it takes some preparation, I guess. And for me, it took some time. I, it took me a couple of years before I made that first amend um, actually and the other amends that I made, actually, there was one, I, this is something I did after I got sober and I had to, I had to make amends because I thought I was going to drink over it. 
And it was one that where, well, I was just very dishonest at work. I had this job where I was um, selling insurance and it was just kind of a crazy thing. But anyway, but I stole money. And so I had, and I couldn't pay it back and it was a real mess. So I, so I had to go and uh, I was ready for them to throw the book at me, but I was, I was so bothered by this that I just couldn't live with myself, quite frankly. I couldn't believe it that I'd gotten into this mess. So I did. I went, I went and made amends, and I said, this is what I did, and I need to pay you back. I paid him back. I left the job. You know, th- things were fine, but I, I was able to get that. I was able to get that, that off, my, off my chest. And I, that's where, you know, those direct amends I made were, were specifically to get my um, – I, I had to be right with myself. I didn't care in that particular case. If they threw me in jail, I think it would have been worth it. I felt so bad about myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Particularly, you know, as you continue to live in sobriety, um, I think it, it gets um, more difficult um, these steps because we, well, for me, I think I can rationalize a lot more now because in general, I'm a better person. You know, I'm a, I'm a fairly decent person. So when I do things that, you know, that fall slightly outside of that, you know, I, I still can go back on, well, most of the time I do well. Um, whereas, you know, when I was drinking alcoholically, um, coming to these steps was um, a little bit easier because it was fresher of how much pain and the depth of the pain and, and stuff that I had felt and, and caused. And so I think I was more willing to look at it to, you know, to continue on to stay sober and stuff. Whereas now it, I feel like it actually hurts a little bit more because, you know, I, I try to be a good person. And so when I fall outside of that, it, it's, uh, it's more painful for me. And so my natural tendency is to avoid or, you know, rationalize whatever it was so that, you know, I don't have to. (laughs) But, you know, fortunately, I'm disciplined enough that I generally do. But yeah, it's uh, one of the ones for me that was difficult. It was one of my first ones, too, was a friend's mom. Um, And so this was difficult because when you make an amends, at least the way that, that I was taught to do it, is that you, you know, can't really involve anybody else, you know. So I wouldn't have been able to steal this woman's pills and things like that if my friend wasn't stealing the, this woman's pills, <laughs> you know. So it was really, you know, that that this person put me in a place to do the same stuff that she was already doing. But, you know, for my amends, I needed to go to this woman and take responsibility for my part. And um, and that, that was difficult to do. So I really had to write out, you know, how I wanted to do that. And some phrases, um, some phrasing that I could use, some wording I I could use when doing it, um, depending on, you know, how she might respond so that I wasn't in the discussion with her bringing her daughter into it as well. And so, so that was a difficult one, but it, it really was a good one in that it turned out, you know, she was very happy that I was, you know, getting sober and, and doing these things. And she didn't want to talk about the stuff that her daughter did. She didn't want to, to go to a place where she would have to acknowledge that her daughter you know, did all of these things and, and was continuing at that time to do that. So yeah, so it was an interesting one for me to to have it be one of my first ones and be able to get the perspective that not everybody is uh, wanting to, you know, 
do recovery, <laughs> you know, and their family members, you know, don't necessarily want to do recovery. And so, uh, you know, negotiating how I can do my recovery in this um, situation. And so it was really, really a good one. You know, in my family, the the relationship that I probably did the most damage to was was the one with my father. Um, he was he was he was a good man. He was a he could be an enabler, and sometimes he he um, he wasn't. But I definitely um, you know was not good to him. I wasn't a good son, and uh, but he he did love me, and it was an, it was really painful for him to have to regurgitate the past. He was just happy that I wasn't drinking, and that I could hold a job and not get thrown in jail. I think he was just so relieved that um, he did not want to have to revisit all of my past misdeeds and so forth. And I, I just, I just sensed that, you know, from him. And so I never actually sat down with him and had a conversation that, you know, dad, I did this, dad, I did that, because I just knew, Angela, I think I told this story before, but when I first told him that I was an alcoholic and was, and was going to AA, his reaction was he broke down in tears and he took bottles of booze and started pouring them down the kitchen sink. Aww. It tore him up that I had that problem. So for him, he was just happy that I wasn't drinking anymore. So the best amends that I could have made to him was to continue having a good life. And I remember, and I remember you know what I used to do when he was alive? I, would, uh, I didn't like always visiting him. I mean, I like to see him, but, but the thing with my dad is he always wanted me to stay the weekend, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I hated doing that because I, I, I was like, I, ha, I was, you know, I had my friends and everything. I want to go see them, but I told myself, you know, I need to be a good son. I need, I need to be, do something that he wants. And I, and I used to intentionally stay with him on the weekends like that because I knew he wanted to, and it, it was kind of my way of making amends to him. And I could sit there and talk with him about things and not have problems, not have to need anything from him. And um, that was the best thing. I mean, so we, we actually were able to repair that relationship over a period of time. And I consider that amends. I mean, there were times when I would deliberately do something that, you know, without overtly telling him what I was doing, that I knew I was doing because um, in the past, I wouldn't do those things. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's important. And probably what what part of this is about is is learning to you know make amends in our our mind and doing stuff for the people that you know that we feel badly um that we had harmed or you know damaged the relationship in some way or just not acted in our you know most authentic and best self so yeah, yeah and it still I, works I, I you still you feel that. better yeah yeah, you know, because I would I'd walk yeah. away feeling a little bit better saying, yeah, you know what? I showed up at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I showed, mm-hmm. You know, right. just stupid little things like that. You know, I showed up at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I sat at the table. I had a conversation. Mm-hmm. I was polite. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> stuff, stuff that regular people should, should do, just do. But for yeah. us, we're like, look at me. I'm acting yeah. like a decent person. <laughs> yeah. But in those early days, man, that was a big deal. I mean, those it, holidays. It yeah. And I just walk away and said, yes, I... I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not the needy person. That was the thing about me when I was drinking. I was a very needy mm-hmm. person. Uh, um, it, yeah, it makes me think of what we read here on the don't make an amend to get someone's praise or attention. And, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a hard one. <laughs> you know, it's like, please look at me doing better. But, uh, 
Yeah. One of the things on here that I had mentioned is um, they say how to do the homework for this step. And I thought I'd read it because it, there's 11 questions that they suggest that you ask um, yourself um, and write down, you know, what the answers are so that you're processing what the best way to, to handle these are. And so it says, uh, here are the guidelines that help us make amends. And using them, it's important to be precise and thorough. We mustn't be vague. We mustn't slide over the hard parts. It, it helps to write them down. Honesty is crucial. So um, it suggests um, writing the person's name and who did we hurt um, to making uh, memories of the harm. What exactly do we remember about the situation? Three, feelings about the harm. How did we feel at the time? How do we feel about it now? Four, thoughts about the harm. What did we think at the time? What do we think about it now? Five, motives behind harmful action. Why did we hurt the person that we hurt? Uh, six, what damage did it do? What were the consequences for the other person, for ourselves, and for the relationship? Uh, seven, why do we want to make an amend? What are our motives for making it? Um, eight, what specific behavior are we going to commit ourselves to? Uh, nine, exactly what are we going to do? When are we going to do it and where? Exactly what are we going to say? When are we going to say it? And 11, what outcome do we want for ourselves in doing the amends? And so, yeah, but there's a lot there, but I, I think when I was writing it down, it was it was particularly helpful because I could think about the feelings of, uh, that were involved so that when I went to make the amend, you know, I had already processed all of that stuff. So again, it, it made me less reactive to what a person would say because I had done the work ahead of time to be thoughtful about about what I was doing and why I was doing it. Another thing that my my sponsor helped me with was um, was that uh, some of the amends um, weren't an actual action. Um, they were um, setting up a, a boundary, either you know with a person, either face to face or in writing, or just in our own minds. Um, so you know there are sometimes uh, some of us that have family members that are you know either narcissistic or maybe have personality disorders or, or other things that makes um, doing this step difficult or possibly harmful to them or, you know, ourselves. And so setting a, a boundary of, um, you know, that I'm, I'm not going to do this be anymore, or I'm not going to behave in, in this way or, you know, have this type of relationship with you is, um, is what the amends is. Um, so I just had that recently with, with, uh, somebody who is in my sponsorship uh, line, I guess, and um, and yeah, it was it was um, it was a good reminder of that. You know, sometimes it's not good for us to go and take um, list out all the steps that we had done or harmed with somebody else if that person you know is narcissistic and um, would just use the stuff to harm us more. You know, um, so one way I thought about this is as some people who are not well, and it may not be because they have a, an alcohol or, or drug problem, it might be a mental health thing, um, you know, and then then you go and you you say all the stuff that you had done in the relationship that you, you know, are trying to make amends for, and then they post it to Facebook. <laughs> you know, if, if you're in a situation like that, and unfortunately, sometimes with some of us, you know, either it, even if it's a romantic relationship, but sometimes it's family members. And so, you know, doing that would not be helpful to either um, 
one's sobriety or, you know, improving the relationship with that person. What would be helpful is, is considering what boundaries you need to have in that relationship and, and what ways, you know, you can further further those um, amends in a, in a boundary form. So it almost, it almost um, sounds like making an amends to yourself. And I've heard people say that before. But yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. Cause you're protecting um, yourself. Well, yeah. And also the other person, I mean, they can't continue to harm you if you have a, a boundary there that, you know, um, it's kind of like when we, we go and we set ourselves up for, you know, disappointment, like, um, you know, in the holidays, um, which is, where we're at, well, we're recording this right now, um, is a good example of, of that, you know, expectations around holidays, like, you know, I have to go and, and uh, stay with my Aunt Susie for a weekend, but but she's, you know, very narcissistic and, and uh, drinks a lot and does all of this, but I really feel like because I had done this, you know, during my my drinking that I, I really need to, to go stay with her. And then she does something, you know, that that is harmful to you. And so it's, you know, you set yourself up for that because that's you, you know that's who she is and she's not in recovery and so another way is like how can you spend time with aunt Susie or show her that you care about her without putting yourself in a situation that would be harmful and maybe it's you know just taking her out to lunch so that you're spending time with aunt Susie but you know um it's before you know the afternoon when she starts drinking or you know in a, in a place where there's a time limit you know things like that with some of my my friends that that are not in recovery and, and not necessarily drinking may have other things that, that are going on. Um, I would sometimes get resentful about uh, feeling like I needed to spend time with them when I have, you know, I'm very busy and important. Um, and so I learned different ways to spend time with different people based on, you know, what is uh, best for them in our, our relationship. So there's some people that that I can't spend more than four hours with because I, you know, get annoyed or or whatever. And so, you know, I'll go to a movie with them or, you know, I'll, I'll meet people for brunch or coffee or, or something like that so that um, it's a it's an amount of time that I can concentrate and truly be present with them. And then anything from the past that has been difficult for us doesn't necessarily come up in that amount of time. And so that's helpful for me as a, a way to continue relationships with people that, that may not uh, be on the same path of uh, recovery as myself. I think um, it's interesting that that is... Um put into this step and it makes total sense too. I've had to do that myself. Um, I call them just, it's not my invention, but toxic relationships that, that I, I, just for my own good, I just, no matter how hard I try, it's never going to be what I, I would like that relationship to be. And I think in the case that I'm thinking about right now, it's that the other person is not mentally well. And uh, in the past, when I have tried to, have a relationship, it would just cause me stress and anxiety and it's just not worth it. So it's sad, but you know, I, I, I hate that that's that way, but in a way we, we have to be in self-preservation mode sometimes too, because we have to live our lives. And sometimes, sometimes you need to let go of some relationships that don't work, I guess. Right. Well, and in these, um, these couple of steps in the in the book that I'm referring to, they talk about that a little bit too. And there's a, a pretty, you know, good section on forgiveness, um, which is um, a difficult thing for, for most of us um, to think about and hard to do. And so it, it talks both about, you know, us learning to forgive others. And some of that is forgiving them for 
for, you know, either not accepting our amends or, you know, or the, the new person that we're trying to become and, and how to, to think about that and start working through that as, as a way of um, self-acceptance and personal respect and, and things like that. So for me, a lot of the forgiveness came from understanding. And again, I had a very simple life, I think, prior to getting sober. So most of the, the problems I had were with people that I would, I grew up with in my family, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't as young. So I, I've had stuff. I go to meetings. I'd be, you know, <laughs> if somebody's in their forties or their fifties, you know, it's like they, they had divorces, they had family, they had kids, like they, they had a lot of amends to make. And I was like, you know, I was in my twenties and I really, you know, never been married. I really didn't date a whole lot. I just didn't have a lot to, you know, I had my mom and my dad and whatever. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why I like this forgiveness section is, um, is it speaks about neutral detachment, which is, um, I think, what the the main thing that I I found in in this step um, as far as how other people reacted to my amends or any any of that. So the people that you know didn't um, didn't accept or disagreed or, or whatever, um, trying to get to a spot of a, a neutral detachment um, and uh, forgive both, you know, myself and, and them for their reaction and just accept it as it is, you know, kind of the, the letting go type of a thing. And, and for me, I usually do a forgiveness meditation by Jack Cornfield. It's a really simple one. I think it's only like seven minutes long, but it's a guided meditation because I can't generally quiet my mind that long by myself. <laughs> Um, but um, the way that, that he talks through it, it I find is um, particularly helpful because it it acknowledges kind of resentment in there um, for um, whatever is is happening um, and that you know I might not be ready to, to let it go but that you know this is a process of getting myself to that point and then it also kind of I guess um, gives a, a um, not permission, but an acknowledgement that it's okay for me to um, hurt and to feel sad about, you know, whatever the situation is or, or angry or something. And that, you know, not forgiving right away or just, you know, understanding immediately is okay, that this is a process and that, you know, I can get there. So it gives me the hope of getting over whatever it is that I'm annoyed about and gives me that process to be able to do that. So I can see in the future that I can get over this, even if I'm not quite ready to let go of my frustration now. Yeah. And so that this part of the, the step nine, I guess, eight and nine made me think of that as well as something that I use when I'm, I'm working on, on this part of, you know, taking responsibility for, for harms that, you know, I cause and, and, um, you know, continue to cause because we're, we're not perfect. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Like I say, I mean, some of my, like that, that one of men I made was, you know, my early sobriety, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you know, sometimes it's like, um, I thought I, looking back on it, um, when I was drinking, I, my life was such a mess because I would, you know, I'd get arrested and thrown in jail and lose jobs. So just by not drinking, I was no longer getting arrested and losing jobs and so forth. And that kind of gives gives me this idea that I've, that I've changed. And in fact, I really hadn't those first couple of years that what changed is I wasn't getting arrested and drunk and losing jobs. You know, I was, I had some, I, I was getting a little bit more stable, but my behaviors really needed to change. It took me a while to realize that. I think some people realize it a little quicker. It took me, it took me a little while. It took me 
gosh, like I say, I, I, it wasn't until my fourth year that I got into step four. Yeah. It, and it could be, you know, an age thing as well yeah. you know, where you're at in life or, you know, not necessarily age, but, you know, uh, time in life. So you exactly. know, if you're raising kids it at is. a certain time, or mm. if you're in a, you know, going into, you know, more of a professional career, you may yeah. have more motivation or awareness of other things. The um, way I look at yeah. it, that during the first couple of years of my sobriety, it was building the basics. So in other words, I needed to take care of food, shelter, safety, these kinds of basic life things. And it took me a while to get that. I mean, I was kind of, I mean, I was struggling. I didn't have really high paying jobs or anything in the first couple of years of sobriety. And uh, it was, it was a rough period. I mean, so, uh, but it took a while to kind of get that, 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 that those things squared away. I guess it's kind of right. that Maslow's I, I hierarchy think, of needs thing. Right. Yeah. I think that's true for, for a lot of us. I mean, some people don't fall as, as far, you know, as quickly. Um, but for me, you know, again, I was in my my early 30s and I still, you know, that's what I needed as well. You know, I, I just had jobs. I, I, you know, barely could pay rent. Um, you know, I, I shared it at a meeting recently and I don't know if I've shared it on here that people talked about service as being important. And so, you know, I, I couldn't do very much when, you know, you're newly sober, but someone said, well, you have a car, you can give people rides. And I'm like, great, I'll give people rides. Well, you know, nobody said that it's probably important to have registration and insurance right. in your car. <laughs> and, and so for the first, you know, like two years, I don't think I had insurance or registration. I hadn't gotten to the part of my life of, of managing, you know, the, the basic things, you know, at least in North America, <laughs> that, that we find important, like, you know, being responsible for, uh, you know, car insurance and, uh, and following the rule of law, you know, those things were, we're still not quite, quite on board. Yet oh, I because, relate. Uh, I was totally there too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's not yeah. easy just going from someone who just bounces from job to job and gets out of jail and, Oh God, it takes a while, right. you know, it really takes it a while. It does take a while. Yeah. And um, one of the things I also like about this step and, and kind of writing some stuff out is, is you get two things that you probably wouldn't if you were, you know, just on your own, um, thinking about um, who you need to make amends to, because generally, I think when I first started, it was people who had reacted to my harm or had, you know, something that it was very obvious that I had harmed them. Um, but the lying by omission type stuff is, uh, is a little bit more difficult and often hidden underneath um, some of these other things. Um, but it's it's still for me something really important that I, I have to examine because my tendency is to avoid. You know, that's my my baseline whenever there's any anything that's somewhat scary or uncomfortable is I'll usually try to avoid. So oftentimes I'll think if something comes up or somebody you know rubs me the wrong way or some sort of thing that I may not be able to to put a, a label on immediately is um, to ignore avoid that um, rather than you know I identify what's going on. And so oftentimes I've, I've found myself in lying or, you know, not uh, sharing a full truth because of the situation out of, out of fear or something. So when I, I looked at this um, originally, and then, you know, now, yeah, those are some of the things that I think eat away at me or have 
eaten away at me, you know, tiny resentments or, or things that I can't fully accept myself or, or say that, you know, I fully respect myself because those, those little things are in there. So, you know, looking at where we're lying by omission, you know, not sharing something with somebody, um, I think is important too. And so in this step, you know, some of the times we're thinking about that this person didn't know, you know, certain things we did. So we need to share with them all of those things. And like you said, with your father, it wasn't necessarily true for him, um, but with other people, it might be, uh, you know, and so, and so looking at yourself first of, you know, it, am I lying by omission on this, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's in friendship. It's, you know, you're friends with somebody that, you know, maybe um, you were friends with them to get to something, you know, um, and you need to be honest with yourself on that. And so, you know, in this book, they also talk about where we hurt ourselves. And so I, I think that's, you know, what I'm thinking of along those lines is, you know, where, where did I, I hurt myself by either, you know, not being honest, lying by omission, or, you know, trying to, to smooth over or deny some stuff that, you know, in society may not be a, a necessary thing that we think about. But, you know, if you look harder at it, then yeah, I didn't share the truth about, you know, such and such, or I wasn't honest about my true motivations of things. And, you know, I need to look at that as well. And uh, I really like and that it's, book, it's not, the alternative 12 step yeah. books that were you reading that from? Yeah, there's some stuff in the book that, you know, they, they kind of can go on a more spiritual level that that I'm not into. But particularly steps eight and nine, I think is is really some of the the heart and soul, I guess, of um, of recovery that um, has made me feel like I'm, you know, I'm moving more um, in a direction of uh, being the person that I want to be, um, because it really, you know, has you do some looking at things in a in a way that I hadn't before. And, you know, and I don't necessarily think of myself as a bad person for that. It's It was my resources. It's, you know, what I was doing to survive the majority of my life. I was reacting to things and, and manipulating and doing what I needed to do. Um, but uh, the learning to recognize those things is, is much more difficult. And um, and I think that steps eight and nine for me and the way that, that you know, I've done them um, got to a deeper part of that, I guess, peeled the onion uh, back a little further than I had gotten in previous steps. So what would you recommend for people that are thinking about these steps? I guess, first of all, I'm thinking that they need to, they need, they need to make sure that they're ready. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, at least the, the way that uh, we do them with step eight is, is really the readying step. It's, um, it's making the list and then talking about oh, it that's you a good know, point, Angela. with, with somebody is that like, okay, you know, I'm looking at this because I've, I've had, you know, uh, one of the people that I've, I've, um, sponsored for, I think seven years now, this was actually the, the only sticking point that we ever had going through the steps was on step eight. And it makes us both laugh because it's, you know, essentially making a list, <laughs> you know, usually people struggle with nine or four or, or whatever, but, but step eight was difficult for her to, to actually get to why she, you know, needed to like a, a former relationship, I think was, was on it. And it's like, well, why do I need to make a 
sense to this people, you know, this person knew what they were doing. I knew what I was doing, you know, but, you know, she needed to what exactly it was because it was something that was um, still bothering her. You know, it, it was a relationship. It was a rift or something that was getting in the way of, of her continuing to uh, feel better about herself and, and the life that she wanted to live. So it needed to be addressed. And, and it was in step eight that, that we worked on that. Well, and, that's a really good you know, point. Making, they, the the yeah, two step, so there really is a reason in this particular case that you do have them broken up in two parts because there, 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 there should be a preparation. There should be that period of time where, yeah, you become willing, but you have a conversation hopefully with your sponsor or someone who can let you know if, if you are indeed ready and should be doing what you're thinking you should be doing. Right. Yeah, because it, it, you know, in doing that, you're you're writing it out and, and you're looking at, you know, why am I doing it? Am I doing it just because I'm feeling uncomfortable and want, you know, somebody to, you know, forgive me so I don't feel uncomfortable? Am, am I doing it because I'm trying to manipulate a situation? If I tell this person this, then they're, you know, not going to kick me out of their house or, you know, whatever it is. You know, there are lots of little details in there that can be reasons other than, you know, just your recovery for, um, for wanting to do this. And, you know, and, and that might not necessarily be wrong, but the recognizing why am I doing this? Is it for me? Is it for them? Is it for both of us? Or is it something else? Is it another, you know, character defect that's popping up that's causing me to feel like I need to make an amends in this way or, or whatever. So, well, anything else we should cover about this step? Um, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think you caught, you covered like the living amends as far as your relationship with your dad. I think that's one that at least um, in early recovery, it, it took a while for me to to understand um, that uh, what a living amends is and and where it comes into play and and where it doesn't. Um, because you know my mind would definitely prefer to just say I'm doing living amends and not tell anybody anything about my past, you know, or a relationship. Just like okay, that was then and this is now. And I'm you know, and for some people maybe maybe that is it can what be they tricky. I mean, because we can you know? deceive ourselves. So, yeah. You know, sometimes we it's like you can you know, and I and I I would often wonder sometimes with my dad too. But looking back on it, and especially now that he's he's passed and 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 I was with him when he did, I feel like that was the right thing to do. But yeah, it's like, you do question yourself. It's like, damn, am I just, am I just avoiding this or what? You know, but I don't think so with him. Yeah. And again, if you're talking with somebody about it, usually that helps. And sometimes that is what you need to do for a while, particularly for people who are close to us that we did hurt, you know, um, just coming to them with an amends, you know, when you've got, you know, a month sober is, is not uh, likely to uh, get the results. You know, that's a really, really good point. Sometimes that there is a timing issue and, just because mm-hmm. you're ready, the other person might not be ready. Just hold on yeah. to it maybe for a little while until yeah. the right time is right. And maybe you can slip it in in a conversation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what nine, I think, is about of, of looking at that of, you know, when would the, this, you know, amends be appropriate? And and sometimes, you know, there's multiple amends that you need to make for a particular person or situation. And sometimes you can do those in, you know, different orders. But, but the big thing is to be able to, I think for me, writing it out was important so that I could see it in a different way. We've talked about on, on this particular podcast before of that there's a different process that slows your brain down when you're writing things out um, so that you can think about it in a different way. So that was really important for it. And then talking with somebody else who's been through this before and what their experience shows on, you know, how to make amends and, and yeah, and that should help you decide you know, when uh, to make amends to who and, and, you know, what parts, you know, how much of 
even amends do you make? Um, for me, with a lot of family, it was setting a boundary first, um, was the first amends, was that, you know, we're not going to have this kind of relationship anymore. You know, um, I have a good relationship with, with family now, but um, growing up, my mom and I uh, had a, a pretty codependent relationship. And so for me, one of the major things so that I wouldn't continue to develop resentments was to set a boundary that I, I wasn't going to help her with certain things. And so it took a little while for her to, you know, um, to get used to that, that, you know, I wasn't going to be that person in her life anymore. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm not that person for those situations. She's gotten used to that. Yeah. When, when she, you know, has this issue, she doesn't call me for it. <laughs> you know, she has other, other things that she can do, but, um, and then that helps with our relationship. So I don't develop a resentment over it. And, uh, and yeah, and so that was like the beginning of, of some of our stuff was, you know, setting a boundary of, of things that would change in our relationship. And, and that was really hard for me, you know, this was the way that I was raised was that I'm supposed to be this person um, in this, you know, person's life and uh, not doing that didn't feel natural, it felt unpleasant. And uh, I guess this is another thing with the step we should probably mention is that, yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel pleasant. And so it's one of the one of the times that, you know, some of us may have felt some relief after, you know, four through seven, and then we get to this and it's, you know, um, feelings, you know, generally come up again that are unpleasant. And so um, oftentimes I think I felt like, you know, maybe I didn't do the other ones right <laughs> because I'm not feeling, feeling good about this, you know, shouldn't I feel good about, you know, what I'm supposed to do and, and not necessarily some of the stuff to, to do amends is, uh, you know, unpleasant both in, in having to share or say out loud some of the stuff that we did that we're, you know, we're ashamed about and trying to make right. And yeah, and some of it is, it's just, uh, yeah, not easy. So it's, I don't think that they're easy steps for sure. And I highly recommend that, uh, that you work with somebody on it so that you're able to process what's going on. And so whether that's with a, a mentor, a sponsor, another friend in recovery or a counselor, I think it's important because feelings do come up and particularly if you're early in recovery still um, in your first year, those are a lot of what we're working on, you know, going through and feeling things and all the holidays, all the, the steps and stuff. And, and yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that. So tell me, do you have alcathons where you live? Um, we do. Um, a couple of a couple of places, yeah. When my wife first heard about an alcathon, she thought that was the funniest thing she ever heard. But, <laughs> I know it is a strange term. But I speak at one every year at the Paseo Group. I, well, actually, I've been doing it every year now. This will be my fifth time. I'll be doing that on midnight on the twenty second. I'm looking forward to it. I always record it and I post it. This one will be posted on uh, December 25th. Do you ever speak at those? I haven't spoke at, a, at an Alcathon. Um, so the way that, that they usually go here is not necessarily speakers. Sometimes they'll, they'll do speakers or sometimes they'll intermix it, speakers, and sometimes it's just a meeting um, and they'll just do back-to-back -back meetings. Um, usually on the holidays or, you know, times when it's, you know, where we recognize it's more difficult. So, you know, New Year's, Eve um, and New Year's and Christmas Eve, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, most of the major drinking holidays. Uh, yeah, we have alcathons um, and uh, and I've participated in them, like attended a meeting or two. Um, and uh, but yeah, I've never like spoken at one that. OK, that had back -back yeah, the, one, the only one I ever I ever do is the Paseo groups and, the, and theirs are speakers. 
And some of them mm-hmm. aren't really that well attended. Like, I, I mean, I've gotten some really weird times, like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm, I'm like the only <laughs> guy there. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> but yeah. I go, because yeah. for me, it's like, okay, it's a great chance to do a podcast. <laughs> I don't care if there's anyone listening or not. <laughs> exactly. I'll get better sound quality. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, and you never know. I mean, there were stuff like that that I did when I was in early recovery because, you know, my, I, hadn't uh the discipline to go to bed at a reasonable time and get up at a reasonable time and stuff and so yeah so those were those were helpful to me you know midnight meetings things like that now if a meeting is you know starts at 8 p.m i feel like that's a little bit late and (laughs) you know so i I really need to meet it or somebody needs to have me there and that's another episode of aa beyond belief thank you so much for listening If you would like to help out our site and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, go over to iTunes and leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do that by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash aabeyondbelief or through PayPal at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. And you can always visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.